and this is episode number three of the Dominant Pre-Med Show. Today we're talking about historically black colleges and universities and what that means and if you should go and how it's going to affect your medical career. So let's talk about it, guys. If you're interested or you're even thinking about a historically black college at HBCU, you need to watch this video. Check it out. But stop making excuses. Stop whining. Stop, right? Get at it. No excuses. Just dominate. All right, guys, we are live again. This is episode three of the Dominate Pre-Med Show. I'm Dr. Andre Pineset. I'm a Stanford Medical School graduate, and I am an anesthesia faculty member at the University of California, San Diego. But my big passion, uh, what I love to do is empower students, and I'm on a mission to empower one million students. Uh, this show is all about getting you guys into medical school. I'm here to answer your questions, give you expert advice, and to teach you how to efficiently and confidently navigate pre-med and get into medical school. So this is what we're about. Today we're talking about historically black colleges and universities. It's a question I get a lot because why? I am a black physician. So people want to know my opinion on historically black colleges and universities for the purposes of this video and this episode, we're gonna call it HBCUs. Yes, we're still going Val, HBCUs. Um, so let's talk about it. What is an HBCU? There are many of them. These are colleges that were historically reserved for blacks. Um, and now they've kind of become more diverse and there's all sorts of ethnicities that go to these, but that's what they are, historically black colleges. Um, the big famous one that a lot of people know, it's like Howard, Morehouse, Spelman, places like that, but there are lots of them. Should you or should you not go to historically black college? Before I give you my opinion, keyword here, opinion, based on fact, based on, you know, experience, um, it's important to acknowledge that both sides of the HBCU debate have merit. There definitely are plus sides to historically black colleges. Um, there definitely are negative sides. Um, and depending on who you talk to, they'll highlight one more than the other one. What I've chosen to do today is to focus on what I think are the biggest reasons why you should not attend a historically black college and university. Now, before I get all the hate mail, I want to be clear that what I am saying to you is not the entire argument, but I feel like they are the overwhelming points that you should consider when you talk about putting an HBCU on your resume and on your track record of experience. Are we all clear on that? So with that being said, the reason I'm doing this video now, because I always get messages about this, is that I thought that something that happened very recently last week was very poignant to what I have to say about HBCUs. And it is the biggest reason I think that people should not attend HBCUs. Are we ready? Last week, Marvin Lewis, some of you guys may know who that is. Marvin Lewis is a former head NFL coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. He is a black male. As you guys may know, there are very few black head coaches in the NFL, despite the fact that the NFL is overwhelmingly black from a player perspective. And that, right, incongruency, right, that incongruency led to the creation of a rule called the Rooney Rule, which mandates that anytime a team has a coaching vacancy, 
they must interview at least one minority candidate. Marvin Lewis was, by all accounts, a very successful head NFL coach, and people think he is a bright mind in football. Yet, he has not been hired for a job. And after this recent, like the NFL season just ended, he interviewed at quite a few places, right? Quite a few uh, teams were looking for coaches, yet no one hired him. Someone asked him, well, why didn't you get hired? What do you think? And he said, I can't make them hire me. And when they asked why, asked him why he thought he hadn't been hired, he said, because as a black coach and as a black person, the predominantly white owners, right? They're all white owners. They don't know us. They don't know me. So what he was saying is, is that black coaches have a harder time getting an opportunity simply because they don't roll in the same circles and they aren't known to the owners. Do you guys hear what I'm saying right now? So if you go to a historically black college and university, yes, you are around a ton of black people, which is beautiful. Yes, you are in an environment that was historically reserved for you. That's beautiful. But it can be very insular in that the people who are the owners, the people who are the top administrators at some of these top programs will not know you or know your circle of contacts. In life and in anything, right? If you had a job, if you're a boss, if you were a medical person, wouldn't you like to let in the known quantity? Wouldn't you like to let in the person you know? And I'm not saying that medical school admissions or even residency admissions are entirely subjective like this, but the point is, is we like who we are familiar with. This is so important, guys. It's called the familiarity bias. There's actually a psychological term for it. It's why when people are coworkers, they end up getting married. If someone is around you long enough, you actually like them without actually liking them. It's just because you're familiar with them, it's because you're comfortable with them. I am all about black power. I shout black power from the rooftops, so much so that it alienates people who aren't black from me sometimes. I wore a shirt to a conference recently that said black greatness on it, and someone was like, that's inappropriate and whatever. No, it's not. Saying black power, saying black greatness is not discriminatory, and it's very important. Saying Black Lives Matter is not discriminatory. It's important. It's necessary. Why? Because historically in this country, black lives did not matter. We weren't even a whole person. We were slaves. This is the history of it. Let's be real, right? We have to say black power not to put down another race, not to put down another group, but to reaffirm ourselves, to give ourselves confidence and say, listen, I am powerful. I am mighty. I can be great. There's a difference. So I wholeheartedly support the black community. At the same time, we must recognize, we must, we must, we must recognize familiarity matters. And if someone doesn't know you because you don't roll in the right circles, they're not going to give you the benefit of the doubt. They're not going to give you the nod. And while you can succeed 
either as an undergrad from an HBCU or going to an HBCU uh, and historically black medical school, I would argue that because they aren't going to be as familiar with you and your circle, it may be more difficult. This is personified by the fact that there are some West Coast programs that do not interview college graduates of HBCUs. And this is horribly discriminatory. But the reason they say is not because of ethnicity, but because they've never had anyone from an HBCU interview. They never had anyone from an HBCU be a resident at this institution. And so because they don't know what it is, it's an unknown quantity, they don't want to experiment. When you choose to go to an HBCU, you are electing, electing separation. When they started HBCUs, it was because blacks couldn't attend the other universities. If you look back at the history of HBCUs versus other universities, the big gripe was that it was definitely separate, but it was not equal in terms of resources, in terms of finances, in terms of facilities. Yes, separate, but definitely not equal. The way to keep people down. The reason segregation was so important to the infrastructure of old school America was because they understood that if you let blacks mix with whites, it puts a face, it puts a voice, it puts a character to them their slaves, to them their blackies. It put a face and a name and a voice and a character and a heart to that person. So they recognize if we're gonna keep black people down, we have to keep them separated because we don't want anyone having a soft heart towards a black person because they met one. We don't want them seeing us as human, right? That's what, what they were trying to say. So if you elect to go to an HBCU, you're electing to say, I wanna be around a bunch of black people and I don't wanna go and deal with the white campus. And what you're doing is you're perpetuating a cycle of them being unfamiliar with us. And it's not good. This is so, so important. We have to listen to the words that I'm bringing to you right now because it's very important. If we want to truly change the face of medicine, we must integrate. We must make it so that admissions people have met black people before. We must make it so that they're used to seeing our black faces and so they don't associate us with how the media portrays us as crooks, as criminals, as lawbreakers, right? Who saw Queen and Slim? Who saw the movie Queen and Slim? How do we feel about Queen and Slim the movie? I was talking to a student of mine the other day who's a black medical student and we were talking about Queen and Slim and the reason it came up was because this student, and this is why this stuff is so important, this student is a black medical student at a medical school that is not a historically black college. She was studying with several other members of her medical school class who also were black. So they're in the medical school building, in a medical study room, bunch of black people studying for their exams. They were harassed, this is finals week, they were harassed all week by the staff. 
eventually culminating in the staff calling the police on them. And the person described them in the police report as being confrontational, loud, and threatening. Imagine being a medical student, being at a place, you're in your medical school building studying appropriately in a designated study area, and you're being harassed and harangued and told that you're not supposed to be there, and then they call the police on you and report you as loud, threatening. Is that appropriate? Is that right? My student called me immediately because she was very upset about what happened and was wondering what's the next move. And she was explaining how several students that were in the group wanted to sue the school. Sue the school. We should get a lawyer and we should sue the school. And what I expressed to her, I asked her, I said, well, how do you feel about it? And she said, I don't think we should do it. I said, why not? And she goes, because our class is the largest black class they've ever had. We have the most blacks by a mile that they've ever had. If we sue, if we yell, if we do all these things, all it's going to do is make them associate the black kids as being what? Confrontational, hostile, and threatening. You become the angry, loud black girl. What do you mean? I was just speaking up. And this is so important. And I was like, oh, you are exactly right. Have you seen Queen and Slim? And she was like, you know what? I hated that movie. I've actually never walked out of a movie. I walked out of Queen and Slim. And me watching Queen and Slim, I was hyped up to see because it was like, oh, it's a black power movie. I'm like, oh yeah, black power, I'm with it. And I went to see the movie and I was sick to my gosh darn stomach. Why? Because you have two upstanding citizens who are black. One has a job. I forget what his job was. And she's an attorney. A white police officer harasses them. She does the wrong thing. They shoot the police officer. And then all of a sudden, the whole movie about them being, I don't know, it was Bonnie and Clyde running around the country breaking laws. And every black person supports them for shooting a police officer. And I was sick to my stomach because that portrayal and the fact that black people have been on Flickster and, and Rotten Tomato talking about how great this movie is and they support 100%. I said, this is outrageous. This is the media portraying us as one minute away from being serial criminals. The image is terrible. And we were talking about how this situation happens because people aren't used to seeing black faces. And the only understanding they have of black people is what they see in the media, which is Queen and Slim trash. So what we have to do if we want to change the face of medicine is we have to integrate, penetrate, and be everywhere. We have to proliferate into these universities. So they become accustomed to seeing professional, how professional we are, how amazing we are, just how human we are the same. Our skin color is different, but we are the same. We are just as good as you. We're just as competent as you. We want to care for patients just as badly as you want to do. So we have to actively work to put ourselves in front of these people so they know us, so they're familiar. 
so they don't have their biases when it comes to admissions. And if you guys think bias isn't real, it is in every facet of life, and it's even been studied in school admissions. Bias is real. Medical school admissions is biased against black people, period. Look it up. With that being said, the only way we change that is by favorably biasing them, befriending, ingratiating, becoming part of their communities. We have to integrate. We cannot separate in higher education. So that way, seeing a professional black person becomes their norm. Oh, yeah, I know a black person. He's great. Yes, we should have this next person. Additionally, if we aren't taking on leadership positions at these universities, we never become leaders at these places because we're not alumni from these places. You got to be an alumni to really be considered strongly a lot of times for leadership at these different places. So you got to go there. You got to graduate from there. You got to be bred in their ways to become a leader so that way you can be the person making decisions. So you're paving the way for that next crop of people. One of the big arguments for historically black colleges and universities is that being in an environment full of color is very comforting to students of color. Would we agree? Would we agree? Because I agree 100%. As a black man, everybody knows, right, the feeling of walking in a room and being the only dark face. It's not a great feeling. And the equivalent for people who are watching this who aren't black, who aren't minority, is how do you feel when you walk into a room and you're the only non-minority in the room? Does it feel comfortable? Do you feel at ease? How do you feel? Now imagine that that's every single day. As a black person in higher education, as a black physician, I don't see black faces around me. And what's sad, I'll be, I'll be dead honest right now. At my hospital, I see no other black physicians. Sorry, it's not true. There's one. We have an orthopedic black surgeon and then me. The only other black faces I see are our janitorial staff. And it's sad to say that, but that's the reality. So what we have to do, guys, we have to understand if you're going to be a doctor, if you're going to be a physician, we have to understand that you are going to be the lone blackface 90% of the time. And while it feels good to go to a historically black college and be surrounded by other people of color, that's not the world that awaits you. And what happens, sadly, to many black students in medical school and in residencies who are not used to being around predominantly non-minority students is they can't hang because it's so uncomfortable. They've never been exposed to such a white environment, such a, an Asian environment, such an environment of people who don't look like them. And so it's the first time they're getting a real sense of being surrounded by people who don't look like them. And medical school and residency is so hard already, you're already stressed to the breaking point that now not only do you have all the regular stressors, but now you have the stressors of the first time you've ever been around predominantly white people, this being the moment. And you guys see how sharp my cut is today. Thank you. Shout out, shout out to St. Flacco on uh, IG, my barber, right? Jabri, Flacco, Turner, 
San Diego, the Cut Lounge. Everybody get over and get a haircut when you're in San Diego. But I was talking to him this morning, right? So as things come full circle, and he was saying, because he's trying to make big moves, right? He's a barber currently, but he's a businessman. He's trying to do multiple barber shops. He's trying to do merchandising, trying to do other things, and he's educating himself. And what he was talking about was how he's enrolled in school and how he recognized that, man, he's like, it's so weird being at school that, like, it's not even just the school part that's hard. It's just kind of feeling comfortable. He's like, I've never been around so many white people. He's like, I grew up in the hood. He's like, I'm used to being around, you know, the hood element. Like, that's, that's, that's my zone. That's where I feel comfortable. And now having to go to this university is throwing me off because I'm not used to that. I'm not used to speaking in a group like that. And, they, and it's a different way people speak and, and do different things. And he's saying how he's uncomfortable. And I was like, man, I know. I know the feeling. And, and one of the advantages that I had as a disadvantaged student was that I grew up in Orange County in Newport Beach. I was the brokest cat in Orange County, Newport Beach. But my parents intentionally, my mother and father had the foresight to recognize higher education, the medical field. These places are not places where you're going to be surrounded by color. So they wanted me to get exposed early to that discomfort so that it became my normal. So that I could swerve and move and shake with white people like it was nothing. And the way this played out was when I went to Stanford, if you guys have never been to Palo Alto, Palo Alto is like tech money, whatever. Palo Alto is the least diverse city probably in the world. It is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> it is no diversity. None. Zero diversity. <laughs> and the campus itself of, of Stanford has, they've actually done a, I'll be honest, Stanford does a good job actually doing diversity in their, under, in their, under, uh, in their undergrad in their college. But at the same time, there's not a lot of black faces. And so people aren't used to that. And so when I entered Stanford Medical School, it was myself and two other black males. And it actually turned out to be, so this is kind of interesting, three of us as black males. I was used to being around white people. It wasn't new to me. It was easy for me. It was just normal. The other two had not had this experience. One was from deep LA. You guys know what I mean when I say deep LA. And one was from East Coast, New York area, deep New York, dark New York. You know what I'm saying, right? And when they came out to Stanford, incredibly smart guys, right? One was already a PhD, super smart guys. But when we got there, both of them really struggled to acclimate and really struggled with the lack of diversity and with the looks, the whispering with the subtle things that make you feel like you're not part of the group. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Please let me know I'm not alone right now. I know I'm talking about some really serious stuff, but if you guys are hearing what I'm saying right now, hit me with a comment, hit me with a like, let me know that you're understanding you can follow what I'm talking about right now. The difficulty of medical school coupled with the lack of a normal, in their estimation, social network and support network caused both of them to step out of medical school training and to pursue other things for a time. Thankfully, one of them went back. He took two years off from the medical school, 
came back to medical school and finished his medical degree. But the other one, still to this day, has not finished Stanford Medical School. Do you guys hear what I'm saying right now? That's how strong of a discomfort it can be when you're the only dark face and you're not used to it. One out of three graduated on time. Two out of three actually graduated. That's how bad that is. Right? And I'll take it one step further. One of the problems that our culture as black people have is that we incorrectly assign Uncle Tom, Oreo, sellout to the wrong people. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Carlton, is the poindexter, right? He's a square. And Will Smith's the cool guy from Philly. And throughout the show, right, people would comment that Carlton was an Uncle Tom and whitewashed and this and the other thing. He was corny. And I praise the producers of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air for doing an actual episode where they, they, they addressed just this. When Carlton and Will went off to college, they were trying to join the black frat, and the black frat didn't want to let Carlton in because they called him a sellout and whitewashed. And there was a whole big monologue that Carlton gave about not being whitewashed, but about being exceptional, about being professional, about rising up. And what's amazing is after we finished medical school, he hadn't finished yet, but the medical school, the medical student who black the black medical student who started with me, who eventually did finish. When he was still in medical school, he was hitting me up and we went and we had dinner and we were talking about residency applications and stuff and what he could do to get in. And he was like, man, I just got to be honest with you. Like, I got to love with you. Like, I know you now close enough. Like, we're, we're cool. Like, he was in my wedding. Like, he's like, we're cool enough. But it was kind of crazy because when you invited me to be in your wedding, I actually kind of sneak hated you. I'm like, what do you mean you sneak hated me? He's like, I thought you was, you know, you was a sellout. I was like, sellout how? He's like, because you was just so comfortable. Like, it didn't phase you that people that weren't talking to you it didn't phase you. Like you just, you know, you was always smiling. Like you weren't upset. Like we were upset. And he's like, and I recognize that it wasn't that you were anti-black or that you were whitewashed. It was that you were solid in your blackness. And that when you were talking all this stuff, when this is what he's saying, when I myself and the other black student we're all outraged and we were talking about how crazy it was and we were going to do all this and we were going to you know, complain and we were going to the administration. You were never with us. And every time you kept saying, you kept saying to us, he's saying to me, hey guys, don't do it. Put your head down, do the work. Put your head down, do the work. And he said, I recognize now, I see it. We can't make change from the bottom, screaming and yelling, because they can't hear our screaming, our yelling. They can't read our signs. We have to be excellent. We have to be so great that they can't ignore us. We have to take the power. Then we can make change. And he said, you were preaching this and I didn't understand it, but I understand it now. And he's like, I just wanted to let you know, I apologize, that was my bad for, for having these negative feelings about you. But I understand it now and I respect you. And I said, oh, you know, I appreciate that. I didn't even know, but I appreciate you saying that. And this is so important because there's going to be, from this episode, 
I'm going to get a ton of hate mail. And it's not going to be from non-minorities. It's going to be from black people who are going to say that I'm whitewashed, that I'm an Oreo, that I'm an Uncle Tom sellout. That's what the hate mail is going to be. And what people fail to recognize, this is what I told to take it back, my medical student who had just been, right, who was a medical student studying in a designated medical school area who was being harassed and who had the police called on them and was called hostile and confrontational and threatening. What she understood, because I had brainwashed her. She's part of my cult of greatness. I brainwashed her to understand. All that yelling, all the lawsuit is not going to change anything. What will change something is if you guys, as the largest black class this school has ever accepted, excel. If you guys are the leaders of that class, if you guys are the top of the class, if you guys are setting the curve, if you guys have all the step one scores, if you guys are amazing clinicals, if you guys are enriching that university, you will pave the way for another black class. We have to be about excellence. Some people use HBCU as a political statement of their blackness. What's better is to be excellent. So wherever you go, HBCU otherwise, what we have to do, and for people who are non-minorities, the same thing. If you guys want to be your greatness, if you guys want to have a great future, if you guys want people to respect you, if you want to be treated with the dignity you feel you deserve, complaining about mistreatment is not the way to get it done. The way to get it done is to succeed in spite of the mistreatment, is to succeed in spite of the obstacles, to succeed in despite the discomfort. Because once you succeed, people know they cannot break you. They cannot dissuade you with their words, with their harassment, with their mistreatment. They will understand and recognize that you can't be defeated. Why? Because you believe in black power. You believe in black greatness. You know that I don't care if you don't want me here. I'm going to be here anyway. Get it. Get it. I get so, and this is kind of a, a side rant, but I get so irritated that people don't recognize. Nobody hears you crying. Oh, they mistreated me. What they will hear and what they will have to perk up to is when they're looking up at your tails. And the practical example of this was when I was at Stanford, right? I'm the token black admit. You'll see people all the time across my social media. I get emails all the time telling me that the only reason I got to Stanford is because I'm black and it's the other thing. And uh, I was like, characters, I graduated top of my class at Stanford, top 5%. Check the file. When I graduated top of my class, and you guys want to take it back? I spout black greatness again because of my parents because my parents refused to take any nonsense from anybody. If someone disrespected, they got bulldozed. We don't complain, we bulldoze. We make you feel the pain, we take the power. And when I went to Stanford Medical School, kid you not, it's a true story, again, check the tape. At my white coat ceremony, my family sitting front row, I went up on the stage to get my white coat and my dad yelled out, 
pine set baby and said and it said that and the dean said oh my gosh okay we got a, a excited dad and he's like yes i am proud of my son he'll be the greatest medical student to ever finish stanford he said this to the dean at the white coat ceremony and in the moment right and this is how it happens right when you're young people i was mad and I said, Dad, how could you do that? How could you yell out that I'm going to be the greatest medical student ever? How could you put that pressure on me? And he said, and it, and it didn't dawn on me until after he left from the White Coat He said, it's not pressure. He said, it's not pressure. It's a push. Because you have proven time. You, can, you will rise to it. I put that out there because I know you will rise to it. And I did, top 5%. And at the end of Stanford, as the top 5%, I got to sit on a panel. There's only 84 students at Stanford. So our top 5% is four people. <laughs> I got to sit on a panel with three other students, right? Of course, none of them are students of color. And I got to sit there and look out to the next class, right? Three years down, <laughs> now I'm graduating. Look back at the younger class at Stanford and tell them how I was successful. And as I told them, what was amazing was the session wrapped and we were leaving out of there. And then the students of color came to me and said, oh, man, you graduated. So amazing. Man, if you can do it. I can do it. Will you teach me? And because I was excellent, I was able to inspire. I was able to empower that next generation. My freshman counselor told me that I wasn't good enough to get to medical school. What I often leave out of that story is that she told me to change my major to African American studies or something like that, African studies, Africana studies, something like that. Something I had a proficiency in. I can't be, right? I set out to be the beacon, to be the empower so that no student of color would ever have to be put in a position where someone, they didn't have anyone in their corner who didn't believe in them. Because I'm here to believe in our students of color. I would not be able, you guys wouldn't listen to me. If I wasn't a Stanford medical school, graduate, if I wasn't a practicing doctor, if I wasn't the best of the best, if I wasn't a supreme pre-med leader, if I wasn't the best advisor in the country, if I wasn't offering affordable courses and coaching programs for you guys, you guys wouldn't listen to me. Because without excellence, you aren't the example. And I say all of this to say, to wrap all of this up with, it's time out for symbolic gestures. I'm so sick of seeing t-shirts that have slogans on them. I'm so sick of Instagram accounts that talk about how they're about increasing physician diversity. We're gonna diversify medicine. Well, how are you diversifying medicine other than making t-shirts, other than printing bookmarks? <laughs> Liz, I gotta put your comment up here. <laughs> Let's be rolling. If you want a white friend that will be your cheerleader, push you, let you vent, and tell you that you're amazing, you will achieve greatness. I will be that friend. Liz, you are my friend for forever for saying that. I love it. Right? Liz is our white ally. That's what it's about, guys. It's not it's not discriminatory, right? We can all be on our students of all that span the entire rainbow. It's about unity. But at the same time, right, this is why, look, as a side note, this is why some students will never get into medical school will never get the A's, will never be their greatness, because some people, I always say no excuses, just dominate. When I say that, I don't mean to say that we don't have reasons not to succeed. What I mean is, is that there is a solution 
for every issue. And we must first, before we can find a solution, we must acknowledge the obstacle or the problem so that way we can analyze it and create the solution. So if we don't acknowledge that there is a race issue in America and there is a race issue in higher education and there is a lack of diversity, if we can't discuss it, we can never solve that issue. Because what we don't want to create, we don't want silos, we want inclusion. We want to be a true melting pot from the physician level to the patient level to at every, at every level. We want everyone in America should be able to feel comfortable, right? Like, I don't agree with everybody's everybody's beliefs, sexual orientation. I don't believe, like, there's a lot of people I disagree with. But I believe that every single person has the right to feel safe and to feel comfortable. Isn't that, like, everyone deserves basic human dignity. And the sad reality is, is still in 2020, there are a lot of ways where people of color don't feel the warm and fuzzy sense of human dignity. And we have to talk about it and we have to actively strategize and we have to come up with ways that we're gonna close the gap, that we are going to, to increase diversity and we are going to, to change the way we interact, right? Abdi just said hard work, hard work goes beyond color and that's what it's about, right? And Ovich, congratulations. Told you could get into engineering school and got in. That's very, very important. So I just, I, I really, I, I like, I hope, I hope that people can hear me. Hear me when I say this. Don't call me Carlton. Your, t your, your, your messages aren't funny. Don't call me Carlton. Don't call me entitled. Don't call me all these things. Understand, I'm talking truth and reality. If you go to a historically black college, does that mean you will not succeed? Absolutely not. Do I know plenty of people who succeed and who are big dogs from HBCUs? Absolutely. Absolutely. But my argument is as a higher learning society, as a medical society, I don't believe that HBCUs are, are, are pushing to change the face of medicine. I don't think they're doing it. I don't, I don't think that's what, what, what what's happening. I think the other only way to do it, there's only a few HBCUs. We've got to have things change at other universities. And I'll close with this. Sometimes as black students, students of color, even as non-minority students, right? Because we all feel different in some way, right? We all have our hangups, things that we think that people are judging us for. I want everyone to understand, no matter how lonely, no matter how inferior you may feel at times, we have to understand and you have to understand, you can have anything you want in this world you can be as great, as successful, as impactful. You can be as joyful, as helpful, as caring as you want to be in this world. But you must understand that none of it happens without you living with purpose, with you thinking about what it's going to take for you to get there and you being willing 
to do that work. And before you can impact others and you can change others and you can help others, because some of you guys are pre-meds and you want to help people, before you can do any of that, the very first thing you have to do is help yourself. You have to help yourself become the greatness so that you can spread greatness. And as you become great, be proud of your greatness. I'm not a jerk because I know how great I am. Because I've worked hard for every ounce of greatness I have. And so I encourage all of you guys, shout your greatness. Right? Liz, you say, Conway greatness! <laughs> right? It's okay. Be proud of it, guys. But put the work in. And Natalie... Reach out to me. Let's talk about your HBCU. Yeah. So Natalie says she went to HBCU. She understands what I'm saying. Reach out to me. Let's talk about it. We can have you on here. We can we can interview you, Natalie. We can talk about what it is, what your experiences are. Right? Because this is about information sharing. This whole project, right? This Dominate Pre-Med show. Like I said, it's all about getting you guys in medical school. It's all about sharing knowledge and sharing information. This is not one of those shows, and I know, guys, this is why, again, I'm not the most popular. It's because it's not about gimmicks and slogans and, and T-shirts and cutesy and memes and, and comedy. Yes, I try to make things entertaining, but first and foremost is the education, is the empowerment. So this is the place you go when you're ready to level up. When you're ready to really level up, you go to my website, studenttransformation.com. But this show is about leveling you guys up. It's not about distracting you from your life. It's about putting you on a trajectory to make your life amazing. Something you never want to be distracted from. That you never want to miss a minute of. So I thank you guys for being here with me. Those of you who are live, those of you who are listening to this afterward on the podcast, everyone, if you're live here, take a second like this video take a second give me your two cents on this topic take a second comment let me know yeah natalie get to my website send me a voicemail yeah natalie get to my website go to my contact page you can send me an email straight from there i will get it i promise you send it to me this is about you guys i want this to be interactive i want this i want to acknowledge your guys's comments i want to talk to you guys right Exactly. There are levels to this, y'all. We're trying to level up. So that's what we're doing here today. Uh, I thank all of you guys. If you want to send me an email, the best way to get a hold of me is send me a voicemail. But if you want to send me an email, same process. Go to my website. Actually, in the box below, I have my contact page. You can click that link. It'll take you right to my contact page where you can email me directly from the page or send me a voicemail. So if you guys have something to say, this is a show of the people, right? It, like... What is it if we can't have a real dialogue, if we can't have real situations, if we can have real issues, right? If you're going through something as a student, this like off topic, right? But if you're going through anything as a student, you know what, I'm struggling with my advisor. You know what, I'm struggling with this aspect. I'm confused about this. Come on here, let's, let's talk about it. Because this is only to serve you. I've gotten into medical school. This is about serving you guys and helping to make sure that everybody has somebody in their corner. If you've got nobody in your corner, I'm in your corner. Omar. Please send me a message right now on IG. You know what's up. I want to interview you. I want to have you on here because you have positivity that you be spreading. 
If you guys don't know, Omar Abdul Malik, PA, is on here right now. Follow his channel. Follow his Instagram because he spreads positivity. And there are too many people who are spreading silliness and shenanigans and negativity and gossip and, and want to spew what they're about as opposed to being about it. Be about it. Right, Abby, that's awesome. I've got a three-year-old, one-year-old, and a three-month on here live with me. I love it. So everyone, if you guys don't know, this is the Dominate Pre-Med Show. We are multimedia, live on YouTube, straight to the podcast. Make sure you guys support both of these so that we can spread positivity, possibility, productivity, and we can sell like efficient premeditating. We are going to push this up. So please take a second, support, tell a friend, to, to get on this, we must drown out the negativity. We must drown out the haters. We must drown out the silliness. Because I don't know about you guys, but the way I got to medical school, I took my future seriously. I'm a very serious guy. Why? Because my life, my future, the impact I want to make is dead ass serious. I don't have time for memes. I got time for education. I got times for getting you from A to B. Don't have time to sidetrack you. So thank you guys very much for joining me. If you have something to say, get to my website, contact me, studenttransmission.com. If you're ready to level up even more, I'm going to put some discount links in the box for my courses, for my coaching. If you guys have not been in one of my courses, I'm going to blow like your whole head off the top. I'll blow it all off. I'm going to blow your freaking mind in my courses because there's nothing like it. And my coaching is off the charts. Especially now I got an Apple Pencil. If you guys didn't see this, I'm very excited. I got an Apple Pencil. It's taking my coaching to a whole nother level. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. The Barber Shop. If you guys are in San Diego and you want this cut, this freshness, the Barber Shop is the cut lounge. And actually, let me, let me look exactly what his Instagram is so I can give it to you guys. I want everybody to go follow my barber, St. Flacco, on Instagram. Follow my barber Saint Flacco on Instagram, because he's the truth. Let me, let me, Saint Flacco on Instagram, y'all. But anyway, thank you guys so much for joining me. Um, this is about you guys, so keep coming back, keep supporting. I'm gonna be bringing this content to you guys, helping you guys execute, strategize, get to medical schools. Check out my other episodes. Get to my YouTube channel and check out all the videos I have on there. I have hundreds and hundreds of videos. They're all educational, y'all. So. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate you. I'll see you next time. What do we always say? What do we say? What is our call? No excuses, just dominate. No matter the obstacle, there's a solution. We will get there. We will dominate. We will dominate pre-med and we'll become the doctors that we were meant to be. Thank you guys, I'm out. Today is the day, guys. No more excuses, no more complaining. You're going to take your future in your own hands. You're going to dominate. You're going to be successful. Get to my website, studenttransformation.com. I challenge you. What are you going to do today to make your life better?